Hi, this is Nikki Klein from Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. I think what fans want is space. We see her, then we see the robot. We see her, then we see the robot. Bring on the sci-fi. Hello, welcome to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. It's a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica and now Caprica. This is show number 84. I'm Brian. I'm Dimitri. Burn Reese. I'm Jason. You can find our website at galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And our voicemail is 301-358-5175. You can find us on Twitter. Our name is Galactica Quorum. That's one word. And you can find us on Facebook as well. We have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast for this episode. I assume they're still doing those. I haven't seen one yet, but we have not listened to one in any case. Quick announcement. We have new podcasts that we have been working on. There's a podcast about college basketball that Jason and I do. It's called Midrange Jumper. You can find that at midrangejumper.net. And I'm proud to announce that we have just launched our new science fiction podcast called the Geek Quorum. That is found at geekquorum.com. You especially want to check that out because we're running a contest where we are giving away a copy of the book BSG Downloaded that is signed by Richard Hatch. We had him sign it for us back at DragonCon, and we'll be giving that away. Details of which are on the Geek Quorum podcast. So be sure to subscribe to that. Look forward on iTunes and find us on our website. In this episode, we'll be talking about the series premiere of Caprica. We had discussed the Caprica movie back in episode 77. That came out on DVD back in the summertime, right? They replayed it last week. The difference being on the network version, they took out the boobies. And according to the press materials, they added one other scene, but I didn't bother to watch it again. So... I honestly don't know what if it was. If you're taking out the boobies, what's the point? Right. Jason, you mentioned to me or, uh, today, or was it yesterday, the ratings for the movie that was shown on Sci-Fi. Yeah, I saw an article that said there were 1.6 million. The headline described it as Caprica Drops. The thing is, I, I didn't read enough into it to know, like, you know, the thing about writing an article like that is got to give a comparison. What was Battlestar Galactica at its peak or at its lowest? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say what the ratings would be for the Caprica movie because people who wanted to see it would have watched it on DVD when it came out back in the summertime. So this this rating is based on what aired just recently? Yeah, the one last oh, that, week. Yeah, that's silly because everybody already saw it last year. Although I'm of two minds about it because when we talked to a bunch of people at Dragon Con and some other cons that we had gone to, there were so many people who A – hadn't seen it, but B, also weren't even aware that it was coming out. So I don't know which one carries more weight than the other, whether people who had wanted to see it have already seen it or people that have not seen it somehow didn't care and didn't watch it. I don't know. Okay, let's move on to our discussion of the Caprica episode. This is in their nomenclature they call episode 102, titled Rebirth. The script was written by Ronald E. Moore himself. Right after he did the boxing episode, he wrote this one. I do wonder when he might have had the breakout material for it, because the original Caprica script was written a long time ago. It was so long in development. I don't know how long stories were kicking around in his head. and Who knows, things might have changed after Battlestar went through another season and a half. But it would be interesting to know just how much stuff 
had been cooking on a back burner somewhere in his head and or if it all was just like completely put away for a while and then finally when they said okay we're going to make caprica then he finally would actually address oh what's this show going to be about what are the things going to be i kind of think it's that do you think that's how he did it or do you think he wrote the whole story is it possible that he he had a whole story written out and then he said okay well we could only show two hours so let's do this part up until this part and then if the show becomes then we'll, we'll continue I don't know. I would think that there might be some vague ideas, but I think what they do is they don't put more effort than they need to until they're actually picked up, and they weren't picked up until very late in the game. And then once they are picked up, I think what they do is they get a bunch of writers together and they go on their writing retreat and hash out ideas there. I just feel like, again, going back, you got so much thought out about the BSG remake, or the, the retelling almost, that you felt like in his mind he kind of had this idea going in. Like he created a Cylon background for himself so he could write the new Cylons in his BSG. So I just feel like this would have been more fleshed out at this point. Okay. So let's move on to the recap. Bernard, do you have any recap stuff you wanted to do? (laughs) Well, when I did my recap, I don't think I got very far. Um, Zoe fused with U87. Lab Technician A has crush on Robot. Lab Technician B does not and loses a finger because of it. Adama's brother's in the mob. Zoe's dad's in denial. Zoe's mom filled with guilt. And that's as far as I got. Something about, you know, religion in there. I Hmm. don't know. Sounds good to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's time for my recap. I'm a little bit rusty. It's been several months since we did one of these, but this is the recap for the episode of Caprica titled Rebirth. Scattered images flick across the screen. Scenes of puppies interspersed with gunfire. Grinding lovers mixed with shattered glass. In other words, a typical episode of Law & Order. Zoe wakes in the body of a U87, her form virtually that of a teenage girl, but to the two lab techs attending to her, she's all chrome and steel. One of them greets her as a work of art, while the other dismisses her as a mere tool. Which one do you think is going to have something bad happen to him? Daniel puzzles why the MCP chip is bonded to this chassis. You know, the one you put your daughter's cyber self in? Hello? But didn't work in any other body? Zoe says nothing, not to them anyway. While the lab techs leave their multi-million cubit investment unattended and unmonitored, she dials her friend Lacey. Lacey is frazzled. Her dead friend is calling her from a robot body, and now her terrorist teacher invites her over to her house. What's a girl to do? Daniel wants to work on the U87 at his home lab, so Zoe is boxed, literally. She freaks out, busting out from her crate, and is nearly free before a chip is pulled. Lacey arrives at her teacher's place. It's big love in the Clarice household, where couples live in a group marriage. Compared to everything else going on, Not such a shocking development, Lacey thinks. Sam is showing his nephew Willie the finer aspects of breaking the law. You know how I know you're gay? Morally suspect? Prone to violence? Mercilessly homicidal? Yep, you're homosexual in the Battlestar universe. At the memorial service, Amanda meets Ben's mother. She makes the connection, and as she addresses the crowd, she makes a declaration. My daughter was sexually active and a terrorist. If there's one thing that will incite an angry mob, it's announcing you're the mother of a tramp suicide bomber. Roll credits. It's pretty good. Good, good lines. Before we get into specific topics, what were your overall impressions? Um, all right, so I'll jump in. I'm going to start. I'm just going to say a few things. I want to like this show. I miss Battlestar Galactica just a little bit. And I know this is not Battlestar Galactica, but I really want this to work. I do watch the show with that lens, and so I am a little more forgiving. There are lots of things I can nitpick. But there are many things I see positive about the show. I just hope that they can catalyze a lot of the 
good potential and start correcting what I think might be some mistakes or some trends that could hold the show back over time. But I think the production of the show is brilliant. I actually like watching it on television. I like the visuals. I actually think the casting is not that bad. That really has it going for it. That gives the show some license with me, but it can only carry it so far in the long term. Well, to be honest, I guess I had um, reservations. I enjoyed Galactica, and maybe I wasn't ready to go into a series-long flashback into the past and find out what happened. I guess I, I thought I didn't have any good expectations of what could happen in the show, and so that's why I hesitated. But now that I watched it, I don't know. I guess I have to see where it goes. I'm on the fence. It was a little blah up until the final scene, which just made no sense to me. I mean, yeah, I get the grieving mother, but I don't know what I'm grieving for. And apparently I didn't know my daughter. But even if you lose it, to just do something like that doesn't make a lot of sense. At this point, I had said this before, and I'll go back to the same analogy. BSG worked because it was sci-fi that was really well-written. Much like what I said about Friday Night Lights being high school sports that was very well-written. Whereas this, this is a soap opera that has like sci-fi window dressing. I don't know, I just feel like you could take away the robot aspect and put something else in there about he's just writing a software program and just put it in any kind of setting. I mean, there's nothing sci-fi... This is not sci-fi enough for sci-fi people, and I don't think it's well-written enough at this point to evoke the best of BSG. And then, of course, Brian, we talked about it briefly, and again, it all goes back to comparisons. The first two hours of Caprica were fairly entertaining, kind of like with Battlestar Galactica. You know, it was that was a good little two-hour movie, but then that first Battlestar Galactica episode, it sucked you in. And if you weren't into it after watching that, then there was no hope for you. This That's one, it. this was not a suck you in kind of move. It was more of a slow roll. I mean, it just didn't develop. There's a real risk of drawing out the story in the very beginning. Battlestar has you at the miniseries. The miniseries was epic. And, and had sold me on a series before the series had even been committed to. And then 33 was amazing. And I think of other great series openers, Lost. That opening shot, looking up in the forest, and then Shepard's eyes, and then the slow build and the plane crash. It's like, that sequence hooks you. It just grabs you, and you are committed to that show from that second on. This Caprica series, the miniseries, didn't totally sell me. So now the show's operating at a deficit. It has to kind of catch up with itself. I think you point out accurately, I don't think the opener really hooks me. It hooks me only by virtue of me being a fan. Yeah, 33, we've discussed it before, but 33 took what was a solid miniseries, and then if you weren't interested before, even if you didn't like the miniseries, there are people who have said that they didn't, they thought it was okay, or they maybe they didn't even like it that much, but... They saw 33 and they were suddenly so into it just because of that episode that they were hooked from there. And 33 was more. It gave you more of what the show was going to be in terms of their character dynamics, in terms of how they were going to be pursued, in terms of how the fleet was going to deal with problems. 
This episode, I felt, was... This could have been like hour three of the movie. There was very little different about it. It did not have anything that was like such a wow, grab you by the lapels or by the throat type of moment and go, wow, I'm so psyched to see the next one. Or I didn't see that coming. Right. Well, you know, also the mom's breakdown in in calling her out her daughter as a terrorist. I mean, we have in our world, we have terrorists and we have, you know, the shoe bomber and we have the other bomber or whatever. But even people who do atrocious things, their parents stand by them. You know, he's a good boy. I don't know what happened. Or if you watch, this is maybe not a good example, but you watch Law and Order or those types of shows, the parents are confronted with their son's or daughter's atrocities. They're like, no, no, they're so loving. And they they never flip on them, you know, so quickly. And she flipped on her daughter so quickly. It didn't make sense. I mean, it would make me make sense to, you know, confront your husband about that or go talk to your priest or something. But to call out her daughter in front of the whole crowd, it was unrealistic to me. My trouble with the scene really is they were carrying me along pretty well. I was suspending my disbelief pretty consistently. And that last scene, I just don't buy a parent within five minutes of learning that her child was possibly or is a terrorist would profess it to the world so matter-of-factly. I don't personally buy it, especially someone, a character who clearly is internalizing so much. It seems like that is something that she would struggle with Mm -hmm. for much longer and not just kind of throw her daughter and herself to the wolves so carelessly. That aspect of it, it just didn't work for me. It just wasn't a great cliffhanger or climax. I hated that last scene, the bit where she moans about her daughter being a terrorist. I don't know if it was the lines that were written or if it was the performance by the actress, because otherwise she's, I think she's really good. But in that particular scene, I thought that was just god-awful. But as far as Amanda goes, I'm still wondering when Tom Virgis will show up. He has the competing defense company. He's mentioned in the, the movie in... He never did show up in the movie, although if you listen to our previous Caprica episode, we talked about how in the Caprica movie script, one of the things that they apparently didn't shoot, or at least they didn't show it as a deleted scene, was there's a whole subplot where Amanda was having an affair with that guy. Now, in the press materials that came with the press screener, there was a little thing that showed actors that were involved, and one of them listed is Tom Virgis. So he will show up, and I'm not sure if they're going to incorporate that back into the storyline or if that was just something that was abandoned, but we'll see. And the guy that plays Burgess is a guy who has been on Battlestar Galactica before. He played the CAG of the Pegasus, who was a real hard-ass, but he was only there for like an episode or two. So what role is James Marsters playing? He just said at DragonCon that he was playing a terrorist, (laughs) which in this show could be half the people because soldiers are the one. By the way, speaking of the whole terrorist thing, and maybe this is a nitpick, but we've got this subplot of the terrorist and the group and, for lack of a better term, the FBI agent that's, like, apparently stalking Mrs. Greystone, Amanda. If they're so hell-bent in finding this out, I refuse to believe that they wouldn't have been monitoring the other chick's cell phone. Right. And have already got something kind of going. I mean, not necessarily rushing in and saying, your daughter's been calling, what's going on? But at least they could have, like, given us a scene in some building that's like, hey, check out these phone calls we've been picking up. Mm -hmm. Is this chick even dead? Yeah, good point. 
you can't introduce the element of a hard-ass terrorist investigator and then make them immediately be stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I did like about the episode, a couple scenes, if you examine it writing-wise, it was pretty clever. They had the beginning when they had the montage of Zoe waking up and seeing images of childhood versus images of the robot drills and shooting the, the little decoy droids or whatever. And then there's a nice little bit where they had Amanda watching the old movies, and then the agent does show up at her house and tells her how he, she doesn't know anything about his daughter. It wasn't too explicit, but it was a good mirror to that because you see there's a contrast, there's a dichotomy between the home movies and then the darker side that she wasn't aware of. And so nice little mirror to the beginning. There were pieces in there that, that were good. I mean, I liked all the scenes of the Cylon whether it was with the scientist tech guys or with her friend, I thought they were well done. The CGI, again, I'm the CGI junkie, and the CGI was really well done. And I liked how they went from showing her as a Cylon to showing her as a human, showing her as a Cylon. And I liked how that bounced back and forth. I was going to bring that up. It's going to be hard for them to find ways to do that that's not repetitive. Yeah. Obviously, they want to show her because if you can't humanize the robot, there's only so much you can do to sympathize with this mechanical CGI creation. So they're going to show her on screen to give her a chance to have us feel sympathetic towards her. Problem is, even after one episode, I was kind of getting tired of the camera panning around and first you see her, then you don't. I thought they're going to be doing this a lot (laughs) where we see her, then we see the robot. We see her, then we see the robot. You see her, you pan past a column and then you see the robot. Exactly. Yeah. Then I thought, well, you know what? She's sort of like a head Zoe, in a way. With Baltar, he had Head 6, where he would have scenes talking to Head 6, and then we'd see him talking to Air. But we accepted that just fine. But there's a difference, and it's a key difference. Head 6 was appearing for a character. She was appearing for Baltar. Zoe appears for nobody. Zoe is there only for the benefit of the TV audience. And thus, it's a device and it's not something intrinsic to the story and i think that can get you into trouble well right because they had anybody appeared with the person that they were quote-unquote stalking or whatever for them to have her appear and again no one's seeing her even her father looks at her while she's on the gurney and doesn't see anything beyond the chrome the great fear i had going into this show is that i was not going to feel any connection to u87 which i don't at all like whenever u87 is on the screen I'm blank with emotion. There's nothing there. Then there's Zoe. And yeah, it's jarring to go back and forth, but I do feel something, however small it may be. If they could work it where you actually could carry over those feelings to U87, I'm skeptical, highly skeptical. I think they may have something. I just don't think they can achieve it with the current format. I think it will get tiring, as you point out. I just don't think U87 is something you can bond with. I think they've set the precedent now where they have to do it this way. I wish they had kept the virtual stuff. I think she would have shown up in the virtual world somehow, and that would have made more sense. But just to speak about the uh, the CGI, yeah, the, they obviously did a great job with the U87 robot. It was just rendered really well, even in the screener edition that we got. One interesting thing was in the screener, there was a bit where Amanda has a cut on her forehead and the text on the screen says that they're going to use visual effects to CG it out. So obviously there was a deleted scene or something that some subplot where she somehow has something happened. Yeah. When she goes to her friend's house, right? She's got the cut on her forehead. And I was like, where did that come from? But I didn't read the screen. 
But I'll post a screen capture on our Twitter feed and also on our website just so you can see what I'm talking about. Just a minor thing. I'd be curious if they ever even bring it up. Another character, the uncle, they had a very throwaway line where he you learn that he's gay. I miss that. Sam, so what establishes that Sam's gay? He's walking with Willie in the market or whatever, and he says a line to the effect of, we used to do something back in the day, and the girls would go and talk to your dad, and like I would be after her brother or something like that. It was just something really just <laughs> offhand. Okay. okay, right, right. Wow. Okay, I was not paying as clearly as much attention. In an interview, Jane Espenson talked about that fact, and they said they wanted to make it as casual as possible, like it wasn't a big deal, and how young Adama obviously knew about it, didn't make a comment about it, just to make the point go across that, again, not a big deal, in their society, perfectly accepted. And her quote is that it's time for sexuality to be incidental. From the interview, she said the way it came about was Ron Moore came to the writer's retreat and had some established arcs that he wanted to do. One of the things he said was he wanted to put Clarice in the group marriage, and he said, and by the way, Sam is gay. (laughs) She says that Ron tried to put it in Battlestar, but just hadn't worked out. So this was a chance to do it. I don't know how true that is. I mean, they obviously tried to do a couple gay characters, and in my opinion, they flubbed them, especially the Kane character, their first attempt at it. uh, I thought it was very poorly portrayed. Well, I mean, here's another gay character who is a lawbreaker, and he's got a tattoo on his neck, and he's clearly a ruffian, and he's taking fruit without paying for it. So now you have another gay character, right? Kane was a total bitch. And now you have the uncle who's gay, and he's a hood. How about the group marriage aspect to it? Is that something that is going to figure into the plot, or is that just something that they were trying to make some statement about society on Caprica being just different well that's something the one true god would probably not approve of wouldn't you think so (laughs) and not to mention that clarice is also in the other kind of um by american standards morally questionable um living situation clearly the villain having seen it now it's still early in the process after what amounts now to three hours of caprica with the movie plus the first episode i think fans still would not have been opposed to not necessarily doing another several episodes of Battlestar Galactica per se, but just something in the Battlestar Galactica universe that was at least in the same branch of the family tree as Galactica. In other words, something that had space, something that had a little bit of sci-fi, a little suspense action. I think that will come. They're building a robot for fighting. So their enemies have to be off-planet, I'm guessing. I have a feeling that they'll incorporate space somehow. That's really, really, I don't know why, is that they have this big defense. I wish they would they would tell me why they're building this defense. Or it could be like us here in the United States. We build these high-tech weapons, and then we have to go find a war to fight so that we can try them out. It's going to be like a Deep Space Nine. They said, you know, we need to do something different with Star Trek, so let's put them on a space station. Until that just got so boring, they said, you know what we really need is a spaceship. <laughs> let's create the Defiant. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the show took on a new dimension. It was like, I can see this show kind of reaching the same precipice of like, you know, the U87 chassis is just not going to work for us. We need to create some device that will allow us to put this personality into a form that people can connect with. 
But they've already painted themselves into a corner because the personality is barely portable. It's burned into this U87. Right. So I don't know how they can possibly resolve that. What I'm hoping is going to happen is that they will expand the story and we're going to see more conflict with other colonies like Toron or something. And we'll see a, a reason, a purpose for why the defense ministry needs to have this contract to build this thing. I don't know, but at this point, this show is like a trade dispute and some more CGI away from being episode one to me. <laughs> and you know what it is, Brian? I think we've already ruined it for ourselves by discussing what it should have been. Yeah, we had a discussion where we were talking about, oh, I wish it was... I think what everyone wants to see, basically, is a show that would have been just kick-ass, that people would have been so psyched to see, is let's see the first Cylon War. Let's see the Battlestar Galactica in its first campaign. We'll watch the Battlestar Galactica emerge from its dry dock with its first captain. It's all shiny and new. It's all shiny and new at the time. There's Husker doing his first missions. doesn't even have to be about Husker. He would be a side character. He might show up, you know, halfway through the first season or at the end of the first season. There's other characters that you had never heard of before, and they will have their storylines, and at the end of it, it will be gone, which is the way it should be. Not Phantom Menace and Star Wars, where every character from every movie happens to play a role all the way through. So I think that would have been a great way to do it. Yeah, I think what fans want is space. Yeah. I mean, however they bring you into space, I think there is drama and interest to be had in space. It's what every hardcore science fiction follower probably deep down in their heart wants. Spaceships and lasers, or bullets. But um, it's also just the action. The action that takes place in space is so much more compelling than action sequences that take place on the ground without the element of fantasy. You know, like drawing a gun on a crowd, attacking a car. What is this, Jack Ryan? Like, (laughs) if I wanted that, I'd watch Jack Ryan. I just wouldn't. I hear you. I just don't. I don't think this show was ever intended to be that, which is a damn shame. Because, yeah, the first Island War, that's the obvious, if I may criticize you. That's that's almost too obvious to go back to. That's like like going to the Clone Wars. Right. I think it's rich enough of a universe that they could do anything. You're, You're absolutely right. It's the obvious one. I think it's the one that would have got big response from fans. Like, yeah, that's what we would like to see. I guess maybe their concern might have been cost. It is expensive to do a show like that that's in space. Then again, in terms of sets, they could have just slightly redressed the Battlestar sets that they had. Their savings right there. Ron Moore is certainly playing around with what he does best, which is like religious... In all of his great, I think, series, DS9, when he came on board, Carnival, BSG, religion is such a key factor to his to his stories. And he does a really good job of kind of exploring spirituality and the politics of religion and the science of religion and the science of God, the last episode of BSG um, notwithstanding. But this episode is ripe with that. It seems like this is what the whole show is going to pivot on, is this subject matter. That's the potential of the show that has me so kind of interested. That storyline interests me much more than Zoe and the robot. I just hope the writers are knowing what's working and what's not, and they're able to change it quickly enough to give the show a chance. The Sci-Fi Channel did sit on this project for a very long time. They had the script for a long time. They hemmed and hawed about whether they wanted to do it. I think I can see perhaps why they were cautious about moving forward. It's a tough sell. Now, we've heard rumors 
that the production, at one point they shut down so they could retool and figure things out. This is a show that has a very limited run unless they were able to notice well in advance of actually airing the show to people and showing it to the public and getting a public opinion. They need to have mapped course corrections very early on, and we need to start seeing those soon. Or I don't think it's going to capture people the way it needs to. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to give up on the show. I gave Lost the whole two seasons before I gave up on it. I gave Heroes two seasons before I gave up on it. The problem with this show is that I had Battlestar Galactica pretty fresh in my mind, and we talked about it so much. So it, it was a really big passion of ours. And we, we interviewed a lot of the cast, and we're really pretty tight with it. So I'm not going to give up on the show quick, but I really hope that it, it redeems itself next week. Much like what Demi said, I mean, you know, I watched Lost for a couple seasons and was like, okay, this is going nowhere. And then I kind of kept reading about it, and apparently it got better. And then so then I like caught up, and yeah, I'm in. Heroes never recovered. And at this point, Caprica is starting from a spot well below where those two started. So it needs to recover quickly. They've shot near nine or ten episodes. They have one of my favorite BSG directors directing two episodes, Michael Nankin. We'll see what he can bring to the table. I'm kind of psyched to see friend of the podcast, Alex Ponovic. He played a bit role in Battlestar Galactica as one of the redshirt guys. He was a Marine or something. He was one of the Marines, right. And he was also their fight coordinator for things like the boxing episode and whatnot. But he's going to play an Adama. And I'm not clear on which Adama it is. I don't know if it's Admiral Adama's, like Willie Adama's grandfather, or if he's supposed to play Adama as a little bit older. But he's playing an Adama. And I think two episodes. So that'll be interesting. He's a pretty big guy. He's huge, yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. And they obviously have things cooking because there's the James Marsters character that's going to show up. Tom Verge's character is going to show up. There has to be more with the Clarice character. I guess the thing that was most curious to me in this first episode was that they omitted the virtual club completely. I guess in the next episode or two, if they don't come back to that, I think that's a signal that they're moving away from that and they're just going to concentrate on just keeping things on Caprica, period which kind of seems like a cheat because they kind of set that bar in the movie where they spent so much time there. And that's where the Zoe character lived. Actually, you know what? I think he, they will go back to the virtual. They have to, because the Ben character at the end of the the movie, they show him Clarice shows up and he's there in his, as his virtual self. I totally had forgotten. I had totally forgotten that. So he's still roaming about the virtual network somehow. So he will come into play. If not, that's something they, should have just cut out from the movie. But you were saying, Jason, earlier about the quote-unquote FBI agent or whoever he is, who's, if they suspected her as being a terrorist, they wouldn't be like, hey, mom, your daughter had one of these figure eights that looks like an infinity. She's a terrorist. They would, have, they would have shredded that house. They would have had papers from whatever court they have. They would have ripped through her room. They would have... I mean, it'd be more of an investigation. It wouldn't be... No, no they, they, they covered their tracks on that. They're okay. very, very famous people. Rich, powerful people. You have to slow play an investigation on powerful, rich people. Well, they could have gone through the other kid's house and showed that. That they could do. And, and what I think is, now that, now that they know there's a link between the boyfriend, so to speak, I'm sure we could see that scene coming, but... 
Well, the mom definitely opened it up for happening next next week, right? Oh, oh yeah. Well, now it's yeah. Now now it's free free game. Yeah, now it's free reign, and maybe we'll get another exciting subplot about how it affects his ownership of the uh, the triad team or whatever it is. You bring up a good point. Now that his family is tied to terrorism, I can see a scene where they're going to be the government's going to come in and be like, "We're canceling your project." Yeah, we're taking control of the robot. Maybe there they take the Cylon away. She doesn't want to go away. She actually wants to be close to her parents. She doesn't know why. She gets put into a box somewhere else. She breaks out, wreaks havoc. There's laser beams and explosions. Bring on the sci-fi. Well, here's the thing I understand about her. She seems to be a fully processing mental state, right? Mm -hmm. Enough to call her friend up. But she, she sits there on the table and doesn't do anything while her dad is there. Okay, why would she not make some sort of gesture to be like, hey, it's me? Wasn't the last time she saw him that he tried to get her to come back and she reached for him? He's reaching for her before that robot fizzled out. Nothing in between should have made her think, oh, I can't trust him. I don't get why she's not doing anything, why she's just being completely. Why would she be afraid with her father? I don't, that's why is there no trust there? What did he do so that she's not trusting him? He's a mad scientist. <laughs> Ratings wise grade wise what do you give it flat out for me i wasn't moved i didn't hate it either i just was sort of meh about it so for me it's a c in terms of the series i was disappointed it wasn't a 33 i was hoping it would be and it wasn't but in terms of an episode and so far it's just a c i concur since i said earlier i'm on the fence it's a c the cgi was awesome but a show can't survive just on CGI. It's got to have some substance, and the substance comes from the writing and the story and the oomph and the wow. And so I'll give it a C, and we'll see. This is the reason why Cs were invented. I mean, <laughs> it's exactly what Brian said. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I was very bleh about it. And, of course, some would argue that that's the worst possible thing you can be. Mm-hmm. Look at Jersey Shore. It was a love or a hate. There was no, no one had like a blah opinion about it. And for a cheap reality cable show, it blew up. It dominated the entertainment and almost the regular media for and still is for the last six weeks. And and this, you know, Caprica at this point is it's just going to fade. I'm going to give the episode a C plus. The show clearly has potential. For that, I am interested in seeing more and seeing if they can introduce the right course corrections to make it what could be a really good show. I just see ourselves already on an unfortunate track of being a Caprica apologist, of saying, it was like with Dollhouse. I quit Dollhouse on episode five. And everyone else was like, no, 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 oh, you quit on the wrong episode. You've got to go just one episode farther, and then it got good. Well, that was just one episode too many. <laughs> That's the fear for Caprica, that if it doesn't fix itself soon enough, I'm just going to give up, because I don't have enough time to, you know, watch shit during the week. Mm -hmm. It needs to turn around, it needs to turn around fast, but, you know, it does have me for a bit. But I don't watch C-Television week after week after week after week. There's too many other things to watch. All right, so that will wrap up this episode. Do send us your thoughts about it. You can email us at gquorum at gmail.com, and you can send us voicemails at 301-358-5175. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Also, check out our new podcast, The Geek Quorum. 
first episode, we talked about this season's TV shows. We will be talking about Avatar. We will be talking about Lost. Well, we talked about V. We talked about whatever sci-fi. Whatever sci-fi there is. We were unencumbered. In the past, on Galactic Quorum, we talked about these during the off-season, but now we're shifting that over to our new podcast. So check that out. Thank you for subscribing. So say we all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. What are we talking about? I think we're done. We're just added another couple of minutes there to... Uh, a little fluffing. A little fluff. Brian's a fluffer.